now he is. So what do you guys want to talk about? Anything in particular? You want to say stuff? Um, Sean Roop is going to preach this morning. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sean just um, graduated this last Thursday with his Bachelor's of Biblical Studies, which is an accomplishment to be proud of, which is pretty cool. Um, now, for the month of November uh, and the time we spent in Haggai and Malachi, I spent a lot of time uh, speaking about grace going from one generation to the next and the importance of passing down the faith to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Today we have kind of an interesting example of something like that happening. Um, of course, Sean's parents, like mine, attend here faithfully, uh, but it goes further back than that. Sean's going to be preaching a sermon that's mostly taken, or in part at least, taken from notes from uh, another sermon preached a hundred years ago by his great-grandfather. Uh, Grandpa left a legacy, and you can see it in Living Technicolor uh, right before you. Then there's a reason we pass down these things of our faith. There's reasons why we have traditions. Uh, today we're going to con continue in our Advent tradition. I'm going to light the third candle, uh, the pink candle, which represents joy. Because we have a command as the people of God to rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. So I'll light that candle. Then after that, Sean, you can come up and take it away. All right. Good morning. Yeah, I guess. I mean, kids can be dismissed. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we should have uh, maybe practiced this a little bit more. <laughs> You guys join me in prayer father god we thank you that we get to meet together and we get to focus on you jesus and we get to focus on the wonder of your love lord we thank you for um, redeeming us we pray that your name is glorified this morning in jesus name amen so like sam said today the majority of my sermon um, was written by my great grandfather the reverend j george bornman and he preached this sermon on Christmas Day in 1920. Through his words, he's going to speak to us about the love and the joys and the blessings of Christmas. He also presents us with the message that we need a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. Advent is a, is a season to remember that God, in his grace, sent his only Son to save us from our sins. Why don't you guys go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should, all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing in Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, to, into Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Christmas. The word has a charm all of its own. No other word falls with greater pleasantness upon the ear so intently grips the heartstrings of man. No other word has a deeper meaning to the children of God. It amazes, even embodying as it does, a mystery so profound, even the, it amazes even the angels, which do always behold the face of the Father who is in heaven. Christmas has completely changed the history of the world and the destiny of the world, even time itself. It has left its impress indelibly upon the world's literature, its art, its music, its industry, society, and worship. For centuries, it has set the world in joyous commotion, and to this day affects the inner and outward life of man. It has turned bleak December into the happiest month of the year. The joyous sound of Christmas has been heard around the globe. No other word is so fraught with fateful significance. It is set for all a fall and rising of many. No other word exudes such benediction of grace and joy and of peace. No other word brings heaven closer to man and man closer to heaven. In this word Christmas, the hopes and fears of all the years are met. In this word, Christmas is contained the source of all of our comfort, joy, strength, and inspiration. It is the basis of our true life, the foundation for our true relation to God and to eternity, and the cornerstone of all of our hopes in the world that now is and that which is to come. Christmas. The word, of, the word of marvelous meaning, of wondrous effect, of impenetrable mystery, of abiding joy and unfailing hope. And why? For the very reason that Christ is in Christmas. Christ is the very heart of Christmas. Christ, the heart of Christmas. On Christmas Day, all Christendom in spirit gathers around a lowly manger bed in little Bethlehem of Judea. And with wise shepherd and the wise men of old, 
center their thoughts and interests around a newborn babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Who is this child that we know as the babe of Bethlehem? Gaze upon it. Do you note any difference between this child and any other infant whose crib you stood, admiringly stood? A sweeter smile? More lustrous eyes? Perhaps. But even so, this is a truly human babe. The babe of Bethlehem, whose birthday causes perennial joy and happiness, is like every other babe that's born into this world. There is nothing unusual about the scene that confronts our eyes in Bethlehem's stable. We behold a common everyday sight, a young, happy, proud mother crooning over her newborn babe. Or if there be anything unusual, it is merely the place of the infant's birth, a stable, and its resting place, a manger. Like every other child, he's weak, frail, helpless, and dependent upon his mother. Like other children, he is cradled and lulled to sleep by the soft, sweet lullabies of his adoring mother. In the most simplest of words, befitting the lowliness of his birth, Luke, the evangelist, narrates, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. He is a truly human babe, born in this world to live a while and then to die, like all other children. If a babe is like other babes, a truly human babe, then why down through the long ages to the present time this joyous commotion on earth on Christmas Day? Then why has the day of this infant's birth been singled out for jubilation and tributes of highest praise? What is the answer? What is the mystery about this day and its event? Indeed, a mystery, a deep, profound mystery, which the reason of man cannot fathom, a mystery hidden from the eyes of man, but accepted in childlike faith by all who have received the vision and understanding which only the Holy Ghost gives. The mystery is the fact, the undeniable, the divine fact that Christ is in Christmas. The babe of Bethlehem, although true man, is also the Son of God the God of God, the light of life, the very God of very God, God's only begotten Son, born of the Father from eternity, lies as a helpless babe in Bethlehem's manger bed, cradled on hay and straw, lies God manifest in the flesh. On his swaddling band is written Emmanuel, God with us, God in our flesh and blood. Do you ask for proof? Go to Bethlehem's plains. The angel of the Lord, fresh from the courts of heaven, announces this child to be affrighted to the affrighted shepherds as Christ the Lord. The Lord, the great God Jehovah. The Lord, using the very term which in the New Testament is in, employed only to designate one and true God. Therefore, the ineffable glory of the Lord, which is, 
which is seen only in heaven, shines round about the shepherds, the celestial choir, 10,000 times 10,000, the multitude of the heavenly host, speeds its flight from heaven to earth to sing out the wonderful story, to welcome him into the world whom they adored in highest heavens and to congratulate the king upon his arrival. Their exuberant song of praise breaks the stillness of the night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You've heard the proof, the God of all truth, whose word dare not be questioned, tells us that his begotten son has taken on the form of man, that the babe of Bethlehem is the great Lord of the earth. Of sea and sky, he is the incarnate king of kings. Fall on your knees and hear the angels' voices. Believe and confess Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man to dwell with Jesus, our Emmanuel. Why did he, the great son of God, leave heaven's throne, highest throne, and come down to lowly earth to assume our nature, as man with men to dwell? This question leads us to the very heart of Christmas. What was the heart of Christmas to the angel of the Lord? He announced the birth of Emmanuel, God in our flesh and blood, to the shepherds in these words, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a savior. And he calls upon all people, all men, all nations, to rejoice over this fact the good tidings of great joy, which, will, which shall be to all people. The very heart of Christmas is this, Christ the Lord, the babe of Bethlehem, God manifested in the flesh, is the world's savior, your savior, my savior. The world's greatest plight is sin. Sin has caused the greatest wreck and ruin in the history of the world. It has caused separation between man and his God. Sin has blighted man's fondest hopes. It has made man once happy, blessed child and companion of God, a child, a servant, and a slave of the devil. It has made man an enemy of God, excuse me, of God, a rebel against his maker. Sin has brought down upon man the just wrath of an offended God and has made him subject to eternal damnation. It has brought into this world all the distress, unspeakable misery, and all the ills, disease, and pains which man must endure. Sin has slain more than wars and terrors, pestilence and plagues of this world. It has brought into the world the king of terrors, before whom every man shakes and shivers, monstrous death. It has closed heaven's door and opened wide the yawning abyss of hell. What indescribable havoc sin has wrought. How completely it has changed God's original plan of creation. 
but sinner, hear the Christmas message. Unto you is born this day a savior, the great God veiled in the flesh, the babe of Bethlehem has come to be your champion, your liberator, your emancipator. In Bethlehem manger, he lies ready to begin his great mission to take issue with sin, to enter into the conflict with all the host of hell as man's substitute. See how the shadow of the cross falls over his manger. It points to Calvary. He has come to purchase, win, and redeem you from all sin, from death and the power of the devil. Not with gold or silver, but with his, with his holy, precious blood. His innocence in suffering and death. He has atoned for your sins. When he cried out on Calvary's cross, giving his soul for an offering for sin, it is finished. Heaven's portals swung wide open to sinners. Hark, a voice from yonder manger, yonder manger, soft and sweet doth entreat, flee from woe and danger. Brethren, from all that ills and grieves you, you are freed. All you need, he will surely give you. Unto you is born a savior. This is the great central fact which the entire Christmas story revolves. Christ is Christmas. Christ the Lord, the Savior, the very heart of Christmas. Now open wide your heart to him and let him cleanse it from sin to purify, to purify it for a temple unto himself. Keep Christ in Christmas. Let him this day be born in your heart. And every day will be Christmas Day to the glory of God and to the salvation of your soul. Our hearts then to thee we offer today. We offer them gladly, accept them, we pray, and make them so spotless and pure that we may abide in thy presence in heaven for I. Glory to God in the highest. Christmas, a night of wondrous glory and awe-inspiring mystery which spread itself over Bethlehem's plains 2,000 years ago. The very heavens were set in joyous commotion. The bright angelic hosts who stand before the throne of God day and night, who had been witness of so many amazing wonders of his omnipotence and love, expected, expectantly looked forward to the great blessed hour when God's greatest wonder should occur. The eternal son, the everlasting word by whom all things were made, the great and wonderful God, this night is to golden diadem and to be born a true man of a Virgin Mary in Bethlehem's dark and lowly stable. In awesome whispering, the word passed from mouth to mouth among the angelic host of heaven. And when the wonder of all wonders had come to pass, when Mary, the chaste virgin of the house of David, had brought forth her firstborn son, whose name is the son of the highest, had wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him to rest in the manger. What unspeakable joy filled the angels' hearts that they were privileged to bring the wonderfully glad news to man. Their hearts were bounding and leaping for joy that fallen, condemned man through the birth of this child was to become, to become the companion 
of their heavenly bliss and glory. They sped on their flight from heaven to earth to sing out to man the wonderful story. The angel of the Lord, enveloped in brightness and the glory of heaven, came upon the shepherds on the quiet plains of Bethlehem and brought them a message from God, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is today born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find, the, find a babe wrapped in swallowing clothes lying in a manger. And scarcely he had ended his divine mission. The very heavens were filled with God's own celestial choir. 10,000 times 10,000 were in, an, in exuberant, sang out into the darkness, into the night, glory to, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, good will, good will toward men. Truly, it was a night of wondrous glory, an awe-inspiring mystery, which spread itself over Bethlehem's plains, not to benefit the occupants of heaven, but to the occupants of sin-cursed earth had this wonder of God's unspeakable love occurred. The angels needed no savior. They, they are confirmed in heavenly bliss. They always behold the face of the Father which is in heaven. Why they marvel at the goodness and greatness of God's love and are amazed by the and they are amazed by the mystery of this wonder, they are not to benefit thereby. The angel of the Lord tells us for whom God performed this wonder of all wonders. He says to the frightened shepherds, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And the heavenly choir sings out far into the night, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And what manner does God manif manifest his love toward us by this greatest of all wonders? In the babe of Bethlehem, his own dear son sent from heaven into our flesh and blood. God gave the world a savior, but need we a savior? When man, the crown of all creation, left the hands of the creator, he was clothed in perfect righteousness and holiness. In blessed, loving communion, he dwelt with the Father in paradise. But sin came into the world, and man lost perfect fellowship with his God, lost his perfect righteousness and holiness, and was cast out of the Garden of Eden with the sign of sin on his brow. And ever since, he wanders over the face of the earth as accursed, far from his Father's home. Once rich, happy, and blessed, man is now poor, miserable, and unhappy in the sight of the holy God. Sin separated him from God, poisoned the life springs of man, wounded his conscience, filled his soul with anguish, keeps him in bondage through the fear of death and the, thra the threat of the wrath and the judgment to come, and leaves him helpless and hopeless in the unequal struggle with the powers of darkness that have made him a slave. Man could not work out his own salvation. We are all as unclean things, and our righteousness is as filthy rags. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of them can by any means redeem his brother 
or give to God a ransom for him. Man, once God's own child, now by sin is a servant of sin, a slave of Satan, a prey of hell and damnation. Do we need a savior? If we did not, would God have performed this greatest wonder of his love? Would his son have forsaken his heavenly bliss to assume our nature, to lay as a poor babe in Bethlehem's miserable stable, to be despised and rejected by men, to sacrifice himself on Calvary's cross? By denying your need of a savior, you deny your greatest need. You deny the love of God. You assert that this wonder of God's love was entirely unnecessary. Then your Christmas joy is mere outward joy, a passing, fleeting happiness. Then you have no right to celebrate Christmas, to join in the festive songs of this Advent season, for you refuse to accept God's unspeakable gift to the world. But if you're convinced of your true nature, your sinfulness, your total depravity, your inability to work out your own salvation, and your absolute dependence on the babe of Bethlehem for salvation, then rejoice this Christmas time. Lift up your voices in loud acclaim and joyful song, for unto you this day is born a Savior. This child has come to break down the unsurmountable barrier which sin has built between you and your God, to conquer the wily serpent, to overcome sin and death, to open, open wide to you the golden portals of heaven, to bring you into the closest communi communion with the triune God here in the world that is now and that which is to come. If you believe the wonderful Christmas message heralded by the angel of the Lord on that first happy Christmas morn, you will not view the babe in Bethlehem stable in his humiliation and poverty, but in spite of his lowliness, behold him, God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, your brother, your savior, your redeemer. Then again, in heartfelt gratitude for his redeeming love, you will deny all ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and godly in this present world. You'll dedicate yourself according to body and soul to the service of the babe of Bethlehem, showing forth by word and deed in praises of him who hath redeemed you and called you from darkness into his marvelous light, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appraising of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, to experience in his presence and his communion the never-ending Christmas joy of heaven. Redeemer, come, I open wide my heart to thee. Here, Lord, abide, let my inner presence feel. Thy grace and love in me reveal, thy Holy Spirit guide me on. Until our glorious goal be won, eternal praise and fame we offer to thy name. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus Christ, the God of very God, was born into this world with no place for him. Perhaps nothing has changed. 
People still have no room for the babe of Bethlehem. But let it not be with you. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. The birth of Christ was lowly and humble, but make no mistake, it was glorious. It was the most marvelous day in the history of the world. God entered the earth with the intention of saving sinners, reconciling the lost to himself. The babe of Bethlehem made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Our great and glorious Savior, the incarnate God, entered the earth with one mission, to redeem mankind. The cross of Calvary is where our Lord would complete his work. But make note, it's not where it began. The babe in the major would, obedient, would be obedient to the father. He would be obedient in life and, well, and in death. The young Messiah would always be about his father's business. The Lord, the Lord made this clear when he spoke to Mary and he said, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? From his earliest days until his death, he always did the will of the Father. The Christ, resurrected on that grand Easter morning, was still in obedience to the Father's will. This is the heart of Christmas. Christ Jesus reunited sinful man with, righteous, with the righteous God through his precious blood spilled at Calvary. The angel of the Lord proclaimed to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The Savior, the Christ, is for all mankind. He is willing to save those of every tribe and every nation. I bid you come near and behold Christ the Lord. Father has withheld nothing from you. He has given you his only son. He has given you his joy. Do not be afraid. Partake of the good tidings offered to you. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. The heavenly host declared, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The babe of Bethlehem is surely a reason to glorify God. The only begotten of the Father has come to offer peace on the earth. It is the peace that only He offers. It is peace with God through Him, as He as the only way to the Father is through Him. It is the peace that passes all understanding understanding. It is the peace of knowing that once stained scarlet by sin, we are washed the white as snow. It is the peace that comes from knowing the redemption that the babe in the manger offers. It is through this peace that God shows his true and pure goodwill toward men. The babe of Bethlehem, the long-awaited Messiah, was spoken of by the prophets. 
Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Christ child is a miracle child. This is the miracle that is Christmas. God brought forth a baby from a virgin, a savior, who would, let, who would set men at liberty from their sin. The prophet Isaiah foretold of the work of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The babe in the manger would someday preach the good news and break the chains of sin that so easily ensnares man. The word incarnate came to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness. Christmas is a time to rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. The king of kings, laid in a manger, lowly and humble, is described by Isaiah. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, as it were, hid our face from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. The babe of Bethlehem is God's love. He would be pierced for our iniquity and for our transgression. He would be rejected. This Advent season, if you have not already, open your heart to him. The babe of Bethlehem was born of a virgin, led a sinless life, died for the sins of the world, and through resurrection, defeated death. We could hear this repeated a thousand times, and it would not diminish the wonder of his love. Diedrich Bonhoeffer reminds us the Advent season is a season of waiting, but our whole life is an Advent season. That is, a season waiting for the last Advent, for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Advent is a celebration of what God has done for all of mankind. It's also a season of expectation for what he has yet to do. There is coming a day when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all who believe. There's going to be a second advent of Christ, and it won't be anything like the first. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, follow him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for your word and your, the gift of your son. Lord, I pray um, that we would live lives according, realizing that you, your second advent could happen at any time. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please stand. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy sent.